Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back, everybody. Call me Fat Albert at your own risk. <laughs> hey, 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 it's Fat Albert. It's good to be back here once again on a lovely Thursday. Yes. We got MMA back in our lives, Dominic, and that means you guys get the Joes back in your lives, you know, which I'm sure you guys were all missing us so much as we were off for uh, about a week, uh, give or take a couple days, because yeah, yeah. you know, your boys proudly wear on our sleeves that we've never taken seven straight days off. Dominic, mm-hmm. how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, man. We're back. Fights are back. This is kicking off, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. I was looking at the the upcoming events starting this weekend. 12 straight weekends of UFC fights, not including PFL starting back up in July. Uh, One championship that we're going to talk about today. Bellator's coming back this month in June. There's a lot going on these next few weeks. Uh, But this week, the UFC takes the cake. They're back in action at the Apex. I'm excited now. Also... For those of you that are tuning in, we did upload a video on Wednesday. Uh, if you guys didn't know, because we haven't had one of those in quite some time, had great discussions per usual. Check that out if you haven't. But Noah, we get to break down fights today. We do, and it's all UFC. Do we have one? No. No, I meant like we're talking about one in the fight announcements. Oh, you're right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Sorry. There I saw the a, fear on your face. Well, there, is, there is a one event. This oh, that's weekend, true. one one fifty eight is yeah. this weekend. There is a lot of MMA on it, headlined by I believe I can't remember if it's a kickboxing bout, but uh, I might I'll probably still try to check it out. Um, Andrade is on that card. Fabricio Andrade, who had a really good showing uh, back in one of the first shows that we uh, looked at for Cover. one. So I'll be interested to see how he does. Um, a lot of MMA on there, so I, definitely worth checking out. But no fights to break down. We might have something to recap, however. So, just want to make it clear: UFC Apex 56. I'm, I'm changing it. It's, 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 it's so. I mean, I, it's kind of dumb for me to even say this now because Ariel's been the one that's been kind of tooting his horn. I'm not trying to swagger jack here, but can we just acknowledge how dumb it is to call it UFC Vegas 56? Well, they always usually say the city names, but it's the not event. the. But it, but they've been to Vegas a lot more times than fifty six. Well, that is true. That's true. And UFC Apex sounds pretty cool. UFC Apex fifty six does sound better. That's that's true. Can I get you to say a negative word about the UFC for once? Are they? Are you on the UFC's payroll? Yes or uh, no? No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, Tom. I love you. I love you. All UFC today, and it starts, uh, before we get into it, though, we do have to talk about the social medias. Of course. Um, I've done enough talking. I've done enough shit on Dom for one day. So I'm going to let Dom... <laughs> we just started. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to let Dom talk about our social medias and where you can find us. Of course. So obviously, if you're looking at us right now, you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe, like the video, turn that notification bell on. If you're listening on audio platforms, give us a follow, give us a rating if you can on your platform of choice. Social media, if you look above my head, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, at BAJ underscore MMA podcast. You can find me at DSLEE14, and you can find Noah at NT Baker underscore. 
please go support us on TikTok. That's the new venture right now. I'm sure most of you probably, if you've been listening for more than just this episode, have probably (laughs) hopefully followed us on Twitter and Instagram, but the TikTok is the new one. That's the one that Dominic is really taking control of. I mean, he kind of, a little behind the curtains, he sort of is the head man of all of our social media. But, uh, you know, not trying to... I'm trying to make up for this and MFL being on UFC's right, payroll. Right, right. <laughs> right. You know? But uh, it would be nice if you guys could go follow us on TikTok. Uh, TikTok is a great... I, I didn't realize just how great it could be for just getting your content out to more people and trying yeah. to connect with more people. Um, but it'd be nice to kind of build a follower base on there and make that just another one of our great social media platforms, right? So That's right. Uh, make sure to check those out. And with that, Dominic, I'm ready to just hop right in. What about you? Let's do it. All right. Our main event, UFC Apex 56. We'll see two middling heavyweights go head-to-head. Alexander Volkov, ranked number seven. He does come in here. Minus 150 favorite. Taking on number eight right behind him. Jarzinho, Biggie Boy, Rosenstroik at plus 130. Dominic, we, I, I especially have... But admittedly, a bit meh on this main event. Mm-hmm. I've sort of used it as an example of what UFC main events shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, I did that on our on our first rebranded edition of Verbal Sparring, which we released yesterday. Go check that out. But um, I'm curious from your perspective, um, as someone who tends to just be a little bit more positive than me in general. What is kind of your way to spend this? Like, what is the the story for you as we head into Saturday in the Apex? Yeah, that is a good question. Because, you know, like we said on Wednesday's show, again, check it out, by the way. Great discussions. Anyways, shameless plugging aside. Um, the the, the storylines is what we look for in main events. And it is a little bit hard to find in one like this. And it's mm-hmm. simply because we've seen these guys be in, you know. The, I saw actually, it was a stat, since 2017... Alexander Volkov is tied for third for most headlining events in the UFC in that time period. This will be his That's seventh. ridiculous. Yes, this will be his seventh main event since 2017. Um, okay. Dustin Poirier was in the lead with nine since 2017. So, again, Andy he's... Smith, he's second on there? He's got to be close, right? Damn it, I wish I would have <laughs> dug a deeper and looked for his name. Got to be close. But, uh, you know, so that just kind of tells you he's been in this spot so much. And while he's won a couple, he's lost a few... He's never been able to put it all together in the UFC. And for Biggie Boy Rosenstroik, it's much of the same. Less experience, but only ever so slightly. These are two, for what it's worth, these are two of the most active heavyweights uh, in the UFC. So credit to him for that. Um, But yeah, just, you know, main event aside, five rounds aside, it's a guy in Volkov that's never been able to reach that cusp, but I believe has the skill set to at least challenge for a title. Maybe not be a champion, but to challenge for it but he's never been able to put it all together. Rosenstroik, we've seen a little less of him. He has a little bit less of the complete skill set on paper anyway. He's just kind of known as that power threat, but he's lost the biggest fights when it's mattered the most as well. So really it's like now you're fighting each other one-on-one. Somebody's got to win. Somebody's got to bump up ahead of the other guy and kind of separate themselves from that back half 10 through 15, I guess if you're looking for a storyline. But that feels like I'm really fishing, you know. Well, it is a bit of survive in advance, and it's these guys. The two guys are middling out here, like you said. It's uh, there's a lot at stake here in terms of 
I guess, um, relevancy. Like, remain yeah. relevant in this heavyweight yep. division. Because that is a great stat you threw out there about Volkov being in so many headlining spots. I didn't realize that. Yeah. And then when you look at Rosenstreich, just in the last couple of years, he headlined with Surreal God. He headlined with um, Augusto Sakai. Yep. Um, he was in a very high-profile bout with Nganu. Yes, mm-hmm. I know that didn't uh, particularly go well. Way, yep. But <laughs> he headlined with Alistair Overeem, which was a huge moment for him. True. ESPN, even. Yep. So you've seen Rosenstruck, even though we've seen less of him, it feels like he's been mostly in high-profile bouts. Yeah. Uh, Alexander Volkov, you can mostly say the same because he came from pretty good background. He was a former Bellator heavyweight champion, so he's kind of yeah. like – we didn't really look at him like it, but he was a bit like a Michael Chandler coming over, like a guy yeah. who had that championship pedigree, uh, looking to fill out your roster a little bit more. And really, when you really go through these guys' two resumes, I think especially for Volkov, for me – I always assume it's worse than it actually is. Like, yeah. his losses in the UFC have been to Derek Lewis, which we all know was an amazing moment. It's kind of what made Derek Lewis a star yep. in the company. But admittedly, it was probably the biggest comeback in UFC history because yeah. Volkov dominated, completely yeah. controlled that fight for uh, two rounds and then four minutes and 50 seconds of yeah. the third round. Yeah. And Lewis just landed a monstrous right hand that Volkov didn't see coming. Fight over. That's it. Yeah. Um, after that, he did lose in a main event to Curtis Blades. Um, I don't really remember. That, that fight, I just remember being kind of dull. I remember he just really struggled with the wrestling of Curtis yeah. Blades. It's a constant battle that you have to do <laughs> if you're fighting Blades. Yeah. Um, and then he uh, he lost to Tom Aspinall most recently in a main event where he got completely ran through. I think so. Yeah. Even surprised me how easy Tom Aspinall made that look when, yeah. even though I kind of expected Aspinall to win, I even bet on him to win. To do it that easy was a little bit surprising Crazy. to me. I think I even had the over on the rounds for that fight, so definitely a shock to me. And then there's a fourth loss I'm missing in there. I know. I I'm blanking on that too. I literally was just watching. I'm trying to, because he's fought everybody. So his most recent win was against Tibera. Uh, he beat, uh, we talk about the Greg Hardy he fight Overeem. frequently. He beat Overeem, looked great in that fight against Overeem. Mm-hmm. Why, there, who is this fourth guy? I'm going to try and hunt it down. Well, as you do that, I'm just yeah. going to say that, basically I was only able to name three losses right there, right? I'm sure the fourth loss is going to be something that does matter and is significant. Yeah. But all in all... Volkov still has, you know, he still has the makings to be a good heavyweight. I agree. A, I, do I do I necessarily think that he's maybe? Do I think his ceiling is really to fight for a title? I don't know. I'm just not sure, Dominic, if he's been able to flesh out that skill set enough. I mean, he's a very good striker, but it feels like there's just too many bad matchups for him by the existing crop of heavyweights, and I don't think he's going to be able to out live or remain at a high level fighter longer than a lot of these guys. I mean, he's matchups, Curtis Blades for one, but then you got like, I mean, I wouldn't call Nganu a good matchup for him. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call someone like, um, surreal gone. That was the fourth loss. Yeah. I, I, it was that five. As I said it, 
Yeah. Yeah, which was a good yeah. fight, actually, but Zogon yeah. just a step ahead the whole time kind of thing. So when it comes here, you got so that's kind of my feelings on Volkov. But then for Biggie Boy, man, he I I think that people underestimate his striking. I even think the way you presented his striking might have underestimated a little bit. You were kind of calling him the power puncher, which of the two right. is definitely the accurate assessment. But I actually think his kickboxing is very underrated. Unfortunately, though, he just doesn't tend to win a lot of these kickboxing yeah. contests that he puts himself into. Um, I think I did see a lot of people kind of at his uh, expense making fun of him, saying like... <laughs> The face of the guy who's about to have the slowest paced kickboxing bout in history. You know, it's it is what it is. You know, yeah. he is who he is at this point. That's really what both these guys are. I don't expect a lot of evolution here, right. but I will be curious to see. You got two guys that are going to want to mostly stand and strike. Oh yeah. So someone. So it's either someone's going to get the better of that right away, and we're going to clearly know who's probably going to win this fight. Or someone's going to be willing to add a new wrinkle here and maybe try to play the levels game. Could be an interesting element to throw in. I'm not saying I would put money on that to happen. I'm just saying that if these two guys want to really, truly survive in advance, they need to look beyond this fight and realize that their skill set is just too limited to compete with the very best of the division. Yeah, you have to realize it now before it's too late because if you're going to, you know, add these things to your game, it has to start right here because if it doesn't, you're just going to fall behind. We're seeing kind of this next wave of heavyweights. Not that there's a ton crashing in, but there are a few that can just get these guys right out. So they have to. It's It might be too late even, Dom. I mean, these two yeah. guys are not – I mean, they're not old, but they're, you know, they're very established in who they are. They're, they're in their prime. Right, right. It might be too late, but I find that hard to believe. I mean, look at what we saw from Francis Ngannou against the real Gon. I understand that he probably had some of those capabilities and we just didn't realize it for for years when it came to his wrestling and how he executed that against Gon. But, I mean, I, I firmly believe that a lot of that was developed in a short amount of time. Oh, yeah. And, it's it's not crazy when you have two guys like this who are both very strongly concerned with the other striking and very much focused on bettering their striking it may not hurt to offer a level change to just go for it and i and i know there's a lot of i guess there's a lot of talk about the scoring criteria and how we you know do that so these guys do got to keep that in mind. The damage is really what trumps all right now. Yeah. And even getting that takedown, you got to be able to effectively ground and pound. And, you know, it just, I don't know. I'm, I'm not saying that's how the fight's going to go, but I'm saying that's probably how it should. One of these guys should do that, but I don't know if that's really what's going to happen. Yeah. Time will tell. In your eyes, Dom, does this fight go to distance or is it good? Uh, Dude, before? see, well, when I'm doing like notes for our betting and stuff, that's at the end of the episode. Mm -hmm. I'm, that's a thought that crossed my head. Like, you know, what what is going to happen here? Because it is a kickboxing match on paper at the end of the day. Volkov is very good at utilizing his reach. He's 6'7". You know, he's bigger than it, mm -hmm. basically everybody in this division with his legs and arms. And he does use it good, which is nice. And Jarzinho has, in his five rounders, been less you know, 
gung ho. I mean, he was losing that fight with Overeem until he knocked him out the last ten seconds. The the, the biggest less one, active. less active. And what helped him though when he beat Sakai, that's the biggie boy that like put it all together. That I saw the most potential in was that fight right there against Sakai. Mm-hmm. So if that could be a repeat performance. Again, we've talked about his power, and he does have more power than Volkov. I could see it being stopped early, but right now I am leaning more toward that five rounder. Yeah, I mean, I would I would say Jarzinho has the power to put away Volkov. Oh, absolutely. I'm not very confident that Volkov can put away Rosenstrike. Right, right. Fair, fair. Enough. Oh, absolutely. More, more on this card to come. But we do have some little bit of some tidbits to talk about. Even though we took a week off, Dom, not a ton going on right now. I mean, truthfully, I kind of told Dom off recording, might be the dullest period, the dullest month in our show's short history. It's uh, it's just been, you know, it's just one of those dead. It feels like it's a calm before the storm, though. Like, I feel like yeah, we're going to be getting, you know, we're hitting summer. Yeah, I feel like some big stuff's on the horizon. Something's got to give with Nate Diaz. Something's got to give with Dustin Boirier. Yeah. You got Conor McGregor potentially coming back at the end of the year, maybe. I don't know. Is he in the USADA pool? Who knows? Um, <laughs> yeah. Just a lot going on. But none of that's going to be talked about here except, well, I did mention Conor, and we will talk about him right now. Uh, so some things we missed, but this one is hot off the presses, Dom. It's, uh, it's burning. Speak, yes. It's uh, coming about. So there's been a lot of Twitter beef over the last few days between two of the UFC's biggest stars, Conor McGregor and Jorge Masvidal. And correct me if I'm wrong, but even though this was a match speculated for years, really since Jorge had his meteoric rise, and it's been kind of a speculated bout, is this like really the first time that these two have really been like publicly beefing like this? Like I don't know if I've seen this before that I can recall it does seem that way like in terms of like actually calling one another out adding each other if you will if that's what the young kids still say these days I think this is the first time we've seen it Dom you cracked me up Um, so we have some tweets here or I have some tweets and Dominic has a statement from Jorge Jorge sent it to Dom himself and asked for Dom to read it on the show on his behalf this is true because uh, Dominic's on the UFC's payroll, like I said. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, so um, we're going to start with the Twitter exchange. I don't know the context for Connor's tweet. Um, but There's never much context to Connor. Because Connor, of course, has deleted uh, all evidence of this. Of this. So um, I'm going off of pictures here. But this was in response to something relating to Jorge Masvidal. Because this was directed at Jorge Connor said, an absolute pigeon brain this guy is. Stupid beyond belief. Should I have done that in an Irish accent? I feel like I should have. But uh, missed, missed opportunity. opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> Next time. Um, Jorge responded with that and said, this pea brain, which Connor called him a pigeon brain, so not yeah. the exact same thing, but tomato, tomato, I guess. Right, of course. This pea brain is the biggest fight of your life. So you're either too scared or too stupid to get this check. I would say a pretty solid comeback. That is a good comeback. And then Jorge has continued into, as we're recording this, we're recording on Wednesday. Yep. And, of course, on Wednesdays we get the lovely MMA hour with Ariel Hawani. Uh, literally just a couple hours before we recorded, he had Jorge Masvidal on his show. 
So, of course, this was asked about. And, uh, Dominic, do you want to give the quote that Jorge said on the show? Yes, so via the MMA outer Hour from Jorge, uh, quote, he is not going to fight. The UFC has offered him this fight. It's not going to be good for the Connor brand or his cheap-ass whiskey to lose to me. So that little bitch has to do what he has to do and just take to Twitter and talk shit. Dana White called it a long-ass time ago. I'm too much man for him, too much size, as Dana says, and it stuck with him. But at the same time, he can't do nothing about it because he knows it's true. That's quite the soundbite there. It's definitely some strong words from, yes. a, from a strong man in Jorge Masvidal. Yes. Now, he has obviously some, some of his own problems going on with the, I guess, uh, ongoing Colby Covington. Yeah, legal um, troubles. That legal <laughs> dispute that's yeah. ongoing. But let's let's talk about this a little bit. So um, I guess where we can kind of start is maybe – We so we are of course as this show is a weekly show and we do this twice a week usually. It can kind of become victim to itself in a way where like I've noticed it just from the past like in the past six months I think we've had clips of us saying that the fight to make was yeah. Conor McGregor versus Michael Chandler and then also saying the fight to make was Jorge yeah. Masvidal versus Conor McGregor. It's it's fun, right? It's just a way to. That's how quick go. the game moves. That's how quick it moves. It is. You're true. I think I'm not saying it's a bad thing that we do. Right. It's just. It's a, funny. It's just the way it goes. Now, with that being said, Dom, did this? Did these exchanges put this fight back into focus for you, or are you still kind of thinking that this fight's really not uh, in the cards, uh, in your opinion? I mean, you'd like to say so, just because it is two of the biggest names, or it's the two biggest names in the UFC current day right now, and they're at similar parts of their careers, whether you're a Conor fan or a Jorge fan, no matter how you want to slice it up and look at it, it's true. They're they're on skids, they're losing to the top-tier guys, but these two have never fought each other. They're two of the biggest stars ever in this sports history, in the UFC's history. Now is still a better time than never to do it, right? I mean, Connor's always going to have big fights in front of him because everybody wants to fight Connor. Jorge mm, is always going to have big fights until he retires, but obviously not to the magnitude of a Connor. Not as many people calling for mm-hmm. Jorge. But I think that this fight would still make sense. You would think it's something the UFC would want to do. I think it's interesting Jorge said the UFC offered him this fight. I would be curious to see how much truth there is actually to that. Um, but if that is the case, if the UFC is wanting to make it after all that stuff that Dana has said, he, you know, we've talked about it on here probably where he said Connor's too small. Maybe it is. If you're not going to do it, let's just push it to the wayside and be done with it. Let's not keep bringing it up. Let's not keep having rumors about it. And as Noah said, this is the first time we've seen them acknowledge each other. Maybe it's closer on the horizon than what we think. Out of all the matchups that we've speculated for Connor McGregor, is this the biggest pay-per-view buy rate that he can get with Jorge Masvidal. Ooh. Realistic is the, opportunity. Is like it obviously, the biggest? Uh, obviously, a Habib rematch would probably oh, be nah. the biggest, but like yeah. that's not realistic, right? Man, well, I mean, there's two clear options in my head. It's this or it's the trilogy with Nate, right? 
Do you hear that plane above? Yeah, there's a plane. <laughs> the plane, the plane. I'm glad that you caught that. But uh, those are the, those are the two clear options. It, yeah, it really is. And which one would do bigger pay per views, Noah? Well, so I'm going to stand firm on this one, and we'll see how you if you uh, follow suit. But I'm going with the trilogy between him and Diaz. Yeah, and I think my answer would have been flipped maybe six, eight months ago. Yeah. But I think that Masvidal's, as as big as his rise is and as big of a star as he still is, it's not the same that it was. You know, we remember that lead-up to yeah. Fight Island and him versus Kamara Usman. Yeah. I mean, he was... I mean, he was... He was like, on fire. He was as close as you can get to, like, a... I mean, yes. I guess he really wasn't the global... Of Connor, but in terms of like a hardcore fan, like yes. how we viewed a product, he was as close as you can get to like that Connor Ronda level, right? I, he's fallen off quite far, I think, since then. I think the fight with Colby didn't do him any favors because, of course, he lost and didn't put up the greatest of fights. In the aftermath, seem, some people seem to really like that fight. I, I wasn't really. I didn't think it was that great, but. It's um, okay. The aftermath, I think, has made him look even worse. Yes, I know, like, how people feel about Colby and if he deserved it, whatever, it's irrelevant. Kind of a punk thing to do, right? Yeah. You know, you don't do that. So. But Nate's Nate, man. You know what I mean? I just think that Nate trilogy is always just. And I think that's lost some steam. Like, I think if we did that. If we did that. by the end of 2016 or 2017, instead of doing the Mayweather fight, oh shit, that, that's probably doing more than him and Habib did. Uh, very much so. Ooh. Very, that was, very. That was a close. bit of a hot take. That was a very. No, <laughs> you don't want to jump on that ship with me, quite. I don't know if you want to jump on that ship. That was like hand of... touch the stove. You know? <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. like, damn, that was kind of hot. But <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, t- I'm serious. I think that yeah. there's some. Leg- I think to say two million buys, I think, I think it does two million. Question. Yeah. Now you probably get like around what him and Dustin's rematch did, I would say. Yeah. Was that like 1.3? Yeah, which, you know, that's a good payday. Oh, that's great. I mean, well, here's the thing, the... too, though. Like, right now, what's the hottest thing going for Nate? It is this mystery of who he's going to fight next. Yeah, Why? What's true. the UFC doing? Why is it taking so long? He's. he's tweeting daily at this point yeah. about why he's not getting a fight so people are just clamoring at the bit if UFC yeah. goes mic drop and they say it's him and Connor I mean dude that'd be that'd be big that that would it's, be bigger than him and Jorge it is kind of funny that like our last episode or maybe it was the one before that we talked about how Connor's apparently not even in the USADA testing <laughs> yeah, pool right how that you're like we shouldn't even speculate on Connor anymore. Here, he finds a way, man. He, he, Connor finds a way, and I mean, honestly, they did it for Brock. They'll do it for Connor. Come on, people. Like, come on. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I if they did McGregor Monsvidal, it's big. I'd be on board. I'd yeah. be on board, man. I mean, it's a big fight. It feels more competitive now, too. I think. Like Connor, so. Connor has dropped off a little bit for sure, and Masvidal's dropped off a little bit for sure. If you're just going off the last couple of years, I guess. Yeah. Theoretically, Masvidal being the much larger, pow- uh, powerful, stronger guy, the more natural welterweight, probably should be able to win that fight. But 
it's just such an interesting matchup at this point because both guys aren't at 100% anymore, in my opinion. And um, both have had their losses kind of stacking up now. And, you know, it, is it the best fight for a returning, coming off of a long injury, Conor McGregor? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if there's a perfect option for that. A lot of people might throw out Tony Ferguson. Um, Michael yeah. Chandler is still, you know, he's a more competitive. If you're talking about God, if you really want to throw Connor back in the fire, you, Michael Chandler's there. It really but, does um, still feel like he might never fight at 155 again, though. You know, we we've been talking about that a little bit. I remember we had someone comment on one of our episodes saying, speculating as such. He's big right now. He's man. huge. He's yeah. huge. Now we've seen crazier things. I mean, Connor. Yeah. Remember how he used to make featherweight? I mean, he, true. He's done some crazy things when it came to weight cutting, but yeah, I mean, part of me thinks that once I, I don't really know how many fights we have left with Connor. Just for both. Speaking. Well, right, and I feel like we have more with Masvidal, truthfully, and Masvidal's thirty-eight. You know. Yeah, interesting. I mean, I really don't. I mean, this, it, a lot of it depends on him, the wins and losses. But if Connor loses his next fight, I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's his true, return man. fight. If he's fighting like a Tony Ferguson and he loses, I mean, oh, yes, yeah, you still have you still have big fights, but I mean, they eventually the cat even the casual fans aren't tuning in anymore, right? Yeah, you got to feel like the perfect thing for Connor would be to fight Jorge, fight Nate, and then maybe you get lucky and get a, a welterweight title shot in there and kind of right off into the sunset, you know? Yeah. But, like, I if still he don't think it's out of fights, the question. I still don't think it's out of the question for him to come back and fight Usman. I don't think that's out of the question. Or oh, Leon Edwards, depending on who's the champion. You know? yeah. yeah, of course, of course. Um, yeah, we'll leave it there, I guess. But uh, the next one here, Dominic, Nick Diaz has uh, spoken. <laughs> this one was interesting. <laughs> Nick Diaz said that he is eyeing a return this year to the UFC 2022. Yeah. And he wants that fight to be for the welterweight title with Kamaru Usman. Your thoughts? Aren't the Diaz brothers just two peas in a pod, <laughs> man? I mean, uh... It, they are brothers. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, hey, Nick, Nate, they're going to say what's on the brain. And if it's a title shot with Kamaru, the pound-for-pound pound best in the world right now, then so be it. That's what they're going to come out and say. Listen, we all know that this obviously isn't going to happen. Um, but it's. I think it's worth noting that Nick does want to fight again. Like, I hope he genuinely wants to fight again. You know what I mean? That's my, what I my, Here's my only response to that. I, I agree with – I kind of agree with you. Like, when I first read this, I was like, oh, okay – at least he's showing a legitimate interest. Like, this is him talking. Yeah. This isn't a coach, a manager, his brother. This isn't a friend. You know, this isn't Jake Shields. This is All right. Nick Diaz. Yeah. Because I don't want to go through what we went through for UFC 266 again. Yeah, same. Look, it was a decent fight. Him and Robbie Lawler, the rematch. It was kind of fun. Yeah. But we did not get... I don't know what was going on with Nick Diaz. We may never know. But something wasn't right. Not at all. Something wasn't right, and I don't yeah. think it was. Look, he, he the weight class the weight class moved in like the forty eight hours before the fight went from one seventy to one eighty five. The physique change that he had the within physique, weeks, yes, because yeah. like just a few months prior, shredded, looked, shredded, yeah, and then all of a sudden he's looking a little dad bod ish, yeah. Um, not that I'm the judge, anybody on 
that. But I'm just saying that like right. something seemed mentally off as well as physically off. And, you know, he got hit with a real good punch that probably broke his nose and he kind of just, I don't want to say quit because, I mean, it's Nick Diaz. Well, and you look at the soundbite after the fact, too, you know, with him and Robbie, that conversation. I mean, Robbie could sense it. Everybody can sense it. Something just didn't seem right. Yeah. And what he said since then doesn't – like, I get the sense that Nick Diaz, the only reason that he came back to fight was, like, either because he needed the money or someone on his circle needed the money. Yeah. And he was kind of doing it out of some sort of – like he almost like he felt like he had to. Yeah. yeah. And I just I don't like that. I don't that doesn't make me feel good. That's the dark side of the sport that yep. you know, we have to acknowledge, but we don't like to celebrate. You know, of course. you don't like to celebrate that. So I'm not I'm taking this with a grain of salt because what kind of matchups could he even get in a return fight, Dom? Like let's say they offered him like Matt Brown. Okay. I'd watch that. I think that's Absolutely. a good fight. Yep. Matt Brown, solid still, but a guy who's obviously past his prime, right? Yep. Yep. I don't think Nick Diaz takes that fight. I don't think no. that he's interested in fighting. Like, I didn't think I, part of it could, if they explained all of that, all the shenanigans as being that he just really wasn't motivated to fight Robbie Lawler because he just was like, oh, I beat him before, which is kind of crazy because it was like, 20, 20 years, years. <laughs> but still I would actually kind of buy it because I just yeah. think that he legitimately he even said that fight week he felt like he should be fighting for the title which is yeah again, it's kind of crazy yeah. but again it's when you are a fighter of his caliber that's the kind of mentality you have to have I guess to true to, to be at that level I just don't think there's a realistic matchup that he's going to be on board with and that I'm yeah, I don't want it to be him taking a Matt Brown fight and being in the kind of condition he was in against Robbie Lawler. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Any thoughts on uh, John McCarthy kind of standing behind him, saying that? Uh, <laughs> I did see that, that little. So, so I, I read the quote, and then I'm like, okay, this feels a bit fishy. I'm like, yeah, this quote like feels mate, a kinda. Little... Yeah. I'm like, okay, MMA junkie. I'm like, what are you doing here? Are you doing yeah. some fake news? Well, no, not really, but. When you watch the clip, it's not really as um, what that big quote says, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's I don't know. It's not really wrong. It's just not. It wasn't really the focus of what McCarthy's whole point was. But um, basically, what he said was that he would he would not mind watching a hypothetical Nick Diaz versus Kamaru Usman fight at welterweight. Wow. Um, he said that. Usman would likely I, the wording was that like Usman would probably try to stand with Diaz but then after getting um, see I don't want to mix pieced. up my wording yeah getting pieced up by uh, Nick Usman would probably bring in his wrestling I think that this is a bad take by John McCarthy obviously yeah. but like it's his opinion whatever yeah. but I think his opinion is based off a version of Nick Diaz that's just not there anymore yeah I mean there should be like little to zero interest in a fight like that happening like like right? if you you could convince me that the Nick Diaz that fought even like Anderson Silva in his last fight if you wanted to convince me that like he would give Usman problems on the feet 
I'd probably believe it. Because, I mean, Usman, I mean, for what it's worth, he's obviously improved greatly on his striking, and he's got a lot of power, too, to back it up. But it's still not his bread and butter. It's still not his no. strength to his game. But um, the Nick Diaz that we saw at UFC 266 is the version I kind of have to go off of. And yeah, of course. I just don't agree with the take. I mean, it's just... Yeah, yeah. Um, not just... It, 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 listen, the fight's never going to happen, so yeah. I don't want to... It's wanna, a non-story. It's a, yeah, but, uh, you know, again, will we see Nick this year? I think that's the bigger question to come out of it. And honestly, like, maybe he does want to fight. Maybe he's just saying this because he knows this fight obviously won't happen, but he just wants to kind of get out there and say hi to everyone. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. Post-piss break, <laughs> we have one more here. Yes, yes. Lastly, Davison Figueiredo spoke with Brazilian outlet AG Fight. Fight. I couldn't remember if it was Fight or News, so thank you. <laughs> AG Fight. Um, and he had a lot of thoughts, Dominic, about the recently announced interim flyweight title fight between Brandon Marino and Kai Car France, and most of them were not very positive. <laughs> uh, I think the the wording was how shocked he was and disappointed he was with this uh announcement feeling that he is being undervalued as a champion now he does admittedly have an injury to both of his hands that have apparently will be keeping him out till the end of the year so dominic i want to get your quick thoughts right away do you agree with the viewpoint of this could be undervaluing your champion by putting this interim title fight in place and take into account the timetable of the return all that yeah, I can see, you know, the uh, the disappointment here from Davison's side. This is a guy that has been in fun fights a lot. He's had little small controversies, but never anything too crazy. Um, obviously, the trilogy that he's had thus far with Brandon Moreno has been next level, so much so we want a quadrilogy between those two, the first one that would ever happen. Obviously, it's not going to happen right now. The interim title fight between Kai Car France and Brandon Moreno happening at the end of July, so... I see his viewpoint, man. It's got to be frustrating to go through that trilogy, three grueling fights. I mean, really, all three of them. And, uh, you know, to come out like that, uh, and now you get your belt, not stripped, but in a sense, he's got to feel like he is stripped to a certain degree. And he really is contemplating this move to bantamweight. Would he really leave this division with unfinished business? I'd like to say no, but you and I have talked time and time again about how 135 does feel inevitable for him maybe after a few kind of meetings business meetings for him maybe he decides to hang it up at 125 i personally don't think he'll do it though hopefully not so you think he'll stay at 125 at least to see out i think he'll get the title reign and yeah 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 so i guess that's the important thing to also note is that he also went on to say he's considering making some big moves big changes Biggest one being that he's considering leaving the division. And that's something yeah. we've all kind of speculated that he would do. I mean, he was, he's was he been cutting a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's a quarter of his body yeah. weight to get down to 125. Um, we, we, we thought there was a chance if he didn't win the trilogy, if he didn't win that third fight with Moreno, I think there's a chance that he already makes that move. But kind of unforeseeably to a lot of us due to how the second fight went, he ends up getting the nod and looked great in that fight. So now it's like, okay, well, we're going to see how long this, this run goes. So, yeah. um, 
do I take him? I think he is speaking very much uh, in the moment. Like he's just very angry in the moment. I think cooler heads will prevail. I don't think he'll leave the division without getting some sort of resolution. I mean, the biggest fight for him is going to be either if Moreno wins doing that quadrilogy or just having Kai Car France in the interim role. Right. That's, that's the biggest fight for him. It's a He gets the pay-per-view points and the pay for being a champion. It's the biggest fight for him to do. But do I think win or lose in – um, that fight, I could see him calling it and being like, I'm going up. Yeah. Which would be unfortunate a little bit. I don't, you don't want to see a standing champion just kind of willingly give up Leave. the title. And Dana has not been a big fan of when champions have done that in the past. Yeah. Most have done it when they've retired, like Cejudo, GSP. Um, you don't usually see it for guys who are remaining active. Right. So. That would be interesting, but um, I, I think cooler heads will prevail. I think we'll still get the fights that we're hoping to get. Hopefully, the timetable holds true. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna speak too much on the, you know, undervalued part because you guys know I'm gonna like side with him completely because I don't like interim titles. Yeah. But admittedly, we don't really know the timetable for his return. I, he, everybody keeps saying that it's end of the year. How legit is that? Right. Do we actually see him back? Is it going to be well over a year? If that's the case, then there might be more stake to this title, interim title, than I believed when it was announced. Right. So that's it for things we missed. But, Dominic, we do have a lot of fight announcements. That's kind of the big thing that's built up over this uh, time off. Mm-hmm. So let's start with the main event we've spoken about in great length already. Yeah. Armand Saryukin versus Matos Gamrat has officially elevated to the main event of the June 25th card. A lot of controversy with this one. Yeah. You got you got our our great representative of the sport, um, Shaquille Majori, saying that asking the question is yeah. it the worst main event in UFC history. You got a lot of people shitting on Shaquille yeah, yeah. for asking the question. Then you got us in the middle that are like, well, we think it was the wrong question to ask, but like, we still like Shaquille. Yeah, yeah. We think it's a great fight, great yeah. main event. All in all, your thoughts right now on the fight and maybe does it feel like the you were the one that kind of knew, knew the, had the pulse on this being like a hot button topic. I didn't even... I didn't even see any of the controversy. So, does it feel like the the air is cleared on this one? Yeah, I mean, I'd like to think so, right? It, we've had a few days to let that comment simmer, and at the end of the day, like, it all comes down to is how we feel about this fight. And you and I, we love everything about this mm-hmm. fight, and we're so happy that this is the main event. We want more of these types of fights. If you want to see the whole fifteen minute discussion, just look at yesterday's episode. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to keep mentioning that because it was so good, but uh. Yeah, I love everything about it. It has seemed to simmer down a little bit. I haven't seen too much taken over the timeline. And a lot of people, again, were kind of like siding with us. And it's not yeah. that Shaquille, he loves the fight. He loves that it's a great fight. He was just the name value thing, right? That's what right. it came down to. And that was the whole hot topic, the discussion that we had. That's what brought it up. That's what posed that 15-minute long discussion that we had. But, yes, we love this fight. I love this fight. 11 versus 12, the future of the lightweight division. Who's going to take the next step? That's what this fight is. Yeah. Next up, 
officially announced as the main event on July 16th. Oh, yeah, yeah. In Long uh, Island. I almost said Fight Island. (laughs) In Long Island, New York, Brian Ortega taking on Yair Rodriguez. Both guys coming off of losses in absolute fight of the year contenders. Both are championship-level fighters in this featherweight division. Unfortunately, the division that's ruled by, for them anyways, unfortunately, ruled by Volkanovski and Max Holloway, who are just two of the best fighters ever. Yeah. Um, So, Dominic, your thoughts on this main event? Is it a worthy main event in our criteria that we've been throwing out there for main events? And your thoughts on this being in Long Island? Yeah, so a couple questions here. I'm actually going to add a third layer, Noah. This is the third UFC on ABC card that they're going to be headlining here. Um, So, yeah, uh, all three boxes are checked, I guess. I mean, am I a little, you know, upset that Long Island's getting one and Ohio's not getting a second one? I mean, you know. Couldn't sprinkle it in Cincinnati. A little closer to the Midwest, even. Yeah, I don't know, guys. Anyways. (laughs) This fight's awesome. This has been the one that we've kind of been anticipating for months now, essentially. I mean, Rodriguez fought in November. Ortega fought in September against Volk. So they've been out for a little while. They needed it. It was wars. But now they're back in July, five rounds. I think it's an awesome fight, man. These two are just so good. Um, but are they good enough? Will we ever see them reach that that title that they want so bad? Uh, but I think this is going to be a barn burner of a fight. Man. Yeah, I don't see how this world. fight's boring. Ortega took all that time off against Max Holloway after all that damage, and look at how he did against the Korean Zombie. Yeah. Here he is. He's coming off the heels of another title performance loss, one where he got shelled for a lot of that fight. Coming up against Yair Rodriguez. This fight is beautiful. It's a mm. fantastic fight. I, I, I Part of me also has this, like, bad taste in my mouth with this fight because... I, whoever loses, I'm just very concerned with what yeah. the future holds for them. Yes. Especially if Ortega takes a beating here. It's just like... Not good. Mm, like It's just going to worry me, but it's going to have me on the edge of my seat. I'm going to be so invested in this fight. It is an amazing fight. It's the fight to make in this division outside of the trilogy with Volkanovski Holloway. 100%. A little bit of one. It's like our really own... Like our lone announcement story fight that we're talking about that's not UFC one yeah. did have a fight announcement for July 22nd a day before UFC goes back to uh, the UK back to London oh right? yeah so, yeah yeah true so on July 22nd that'll be Friday probably Friday morning because one you know, at like 6am <laughs> they don't like they don't like they like to be the one promotion that doesn't cater to the United yeah, States, yes so. yeah. we respect but, it yes yeah, Renee De Ritter who was the light heavyweight and uh, middleweight champion for one he'll be defending the light heavyweight title this time against Vitaly Big Dash who actually uh, won a trilogy bout with Angla Song at one of the last one events that we reviewed on here and talked about. So um, does this feel like, I mean, I know we don't know a ton about one's roster, like the deeper we go, but, you know, based off of what you saw from Vitaly Big Dash's performance against Angla Song, does he feel like a proper guy to get put in this position fighting for a title? Yeah, you would like to think so. Even though that fight with Big Dash and Angla Song wasn't as fun as I think a lot of people expected, you know, that trilogy fight. The first two are just barn burners. It's two guys that are in fun fights. 
but he showed um, a smart approach to the fight, and he did what he, he had did. to do to win, right? Yeah. Um, and that's what matters when it comes to earning these title fights sometimes, especially over there in one where maybe the rosters aren't as deep. You know, there's not that top 15 ranking or whatever the case may be. So, yeah, you would like to think this is earned, and obviously De Ritter is one of the most elite talents in that organization, one of the most elite talents in the world right now in mixed martial arts. Can he add another feather to his cap against a seasoned veteran? That's the storyline. I know. Vitaly Big Dash, this is probably his last chance. I believe he's 37 years old. Yeah. So, uh, going up against an absolute killer, the face of the entire show, Randy yeah. Ritter. It's going to be an uphill battle. He did show a lot of great um, periods of controlling Ang Lasang, who is a big guy himself. So, um, it should be fun. I think it's it's nice that it's a name that we recognize. I'm kind of happy about that. Yeah. Like just someone we've seen fight before for one since we're such noobs yeah. to one so that'll be nice that's yeah. july 22nd the next day dom oh this USA is on London. here <laughs> patty the batty pimblet taking on jordan levitt my question dominic is this jordan levitt yeah knocks out patty and then twerks is there gonna be a riot that arena might burn to the ground <laughs> if that happens man um this is the battle of like the post-fight celebration. Jordan Levitt's twerking, he's doing the splits. Patty does some crazy fancy dances, rubs yeah. his belly because he knows he's about to go eat eight cheeseburgers <laughs> when he gets backstage. That guy, uh, but honestly, I'm kind of here for this fight. I mean, I didn't expect this is a step up for Patty. It is not that like Jordan Levitt's some amazing striker. He's not gonna. He's he can't compete tit for tat on the feet with Patty, but he's a great grappler great control time very strong very athletic this isn't just some walk in the park for patty which to be fair both fights he's had haven't necessarily been walks in the park once they've gotten into the cage uh but this one i think on paper is the hardest one and in the cage could also be the hardest challenge yeah first i was some my first thought when this fight was announced was a little bit negative because I felt like the UFC was once again giving Patty a guy who, and Jordan Levitt, who, not a great striker, more of that guy who's going to look to take a fight to the ground. So I thought they were kind of catering to Patty a little bit since Patty did get kind of uh, shuttered on the, what's a shuttered? It's not the best word to use here. He got rocked on the feet yeah. in no fights, um, even if it was just a fleeting moment. Um but the more I've let it simmer, I actually really like this fight. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I think it's the proper step up. Because, again, Patty, they're great fights, but he's not dominating these, right. these guys that he's winning against. So, Jordan Levitt, a great step up. I'm very intrigued. How is the ground battle going to go? And, actually, Dominic, I think if this fight stays standing, I think there's a chance Jordan Levitt might be a lot more competitive than we think. Because, again... I ain't seeing it with Patty on the feet very much. Now, yeah. when this fight goes to the ground, I, I do tend to believe that Patty's just an all-around better grappler. But, um, again, there's just a lot unknown. Both guys very solid at what they're good at. Yeah. Their holes are apparent. But both getting kind of a step up here, I'm here for it. I think it's going to be a great matchup. Yes. Great addition to this card. Uh, yeah, I'm all for it. Yeah, the, these London cards this year, they are fucking loaded. Uh, yes. I mean, yeah. yeah. And the least surprising news story uh, for this year and really any year, uh, the just announced 
fight card for UFC 276, right? Seven. It, no, 277, July 30th. Yeah, yeah. July 30th uh, had Polo Costa versus Luke Rockhold on it. I literally said <laughs> this fight will get moved or canceled. Yeah. It got moved. So now it's August 20th, apparently, that this fight is taking place. Dominic, I am telling you guys. Tell them, tell them. This fight is not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Don't ask me what I... Or if it does, there's going to be some tomfoolery. <laughs> yes, exactly. Paulo's going to come in at 250 pounds and not cut a damn pound of weight. It's going to be a heavyweight fight. Luke Rockhold, I mean, I don't even know what goes on with that guy sometimes. But yeah, yeah. All in all, this fight ain't going to happen, so I'm not even going to speculate on it. Dominic, your thoughts? On to the next one. <laughs> September 3rd, UFC will be returning to These are Paris, good ones. These and we do have ones. our main event and another pretty big fight announced with it. Caitlin Chukagian taking on Manan Fior, uh, a fight that was pretty speculated. Caitlin Chukagian coming off her last win against Amanda Heba. She kind of called. She said, UFC yeah. just put me with the French, the French woman. Let's do it in uh, Paris. Oof. That was like the only person she couldn't name. I was like, ooh, okay. All right, Caitlin. <laughs> She's like fought everybody else in the rankings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so you have that fight, then our main event. Well, for now. But there's a rumored fight that might happen on that card. So not for sure the main event, which would yeah. be shocking. Because Robert Whitaker taking on Marvin Vittori is the fight yeah. that is being pegged for this card. What fight is being speculated? Gone to Ivasa. Oh yeah, that's already announced for this card. Yeah, yeah. Oh my but god! The, but the UFC shit. hasn't. The UFC hasn't like officially did the like yeah, graphic yeah, yeah, for okay, it, you know. Okay. But yeah, yeah. But holy shit! Special. If both those fights <laughs> stick to this card, yeah, I didn't no. even think about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess maybe not the main event, but can we please? I mean, Dominic, can we please get this five rounds? Should we speculate on this fight so. as if it's five rounds? It should be. It needs to be five rounds. I mean, it's a huge fight, and we yeah. know Robert coming off a second loss to Adesanya, very close fight. Yeah, he's looking to just it's it's got to be tough, man. You got to have some mental fortitude to be know that you're so you. It took him; he went through a gauntlet to get back into a title uh, fight. So then, for him to lose it again, and now he's back at peg one, square yeah. one. It feels like, and it's like, okay, you gotta. Go through the gauntlet again, and now it's Marvin Vittori, who's a tough matchup. Marvin Vittori also probably having some extra level of motivation. He's also lost twice to the champion. Yeah. Um, coming off of a fantastic performance against Paulo Costa, showed a lot of wrinkles to his game that I did not necessarily know were there. And not only was he doing very well in the striking, but the amount of punishment he was able to take from a bloated Paulo Costa was something yeah. to behold. It's a beautiful fight, but do you want to talk a little bit about Chukagi and Manon Fior? Well, let's just say if Manon comes in there and wins on home soil in Paris, she's had great performances thus far in the UFC. The one in Columbus that we got to see was kind of the like most lackluster, but she showed evolutions and different portions of her game that we hadn't seen. We yet. got to see her yeah. taken further, yes. Right, the use of grappling and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so it was, it, that was like the performance that you just need to see from a prospect that's coming through. But if she can come in through here now against Chukagian, because, I mean, let's face it, anybody that Chukagian faces, faces that isn't Valentina, she wins relatively handily. I mean, she has close fights, don't get me wrong. But uh, this is, 
I think it's a good fight because Chu Kagan can finally earn another title fight if she wins this one. That'd be like four or five in a row. But if Fior wins in Paris, boom, right into a title fight, a potential like huge marketing person for that region. Her and Cyril Gan. Those are the two fighters from Paris. It's a big deal for her. Can I make another proclamation? I yeah. made a proclamation that Costa Rockhold will not have. My proclamation is that Caitlin Chukagian is going to win by split decision. Oh, I can already see it on the below average bet slip come September. There will be no episode on September 4th if that happens. <laughs> Fair. The show is done. I'm just done. I, I done. quit. Done. Um, no offense to Caitlin Chukagian. She's great. But I'm just what I mean by that, if she were to get another decision that I don't feel she quite deserves, I thought she won against Hebus, but. I'm talking from last summer. She, uh, who'd she be? Oh, with, um, um uh, oh, <laughs> Vivian. Vivian. Vivian Arrigio. Arrigio. Yeah. Vivian clearly won that fight, in my opinion, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, Chukagian just will not let go of the number one. Never. Never. <laughs> yeah. So, Manon's like the last hope right now for, yeah. for a short while. So, we'll see what happens. Great fights, though, for sure. Yes. Now, Dominic, we do have some more fights to talk about for this Saturday's card. A card that, I'm going to be honest, when I went to really dig deep uh, yeah. mm-hmm. yesterday, today, looking at the betting side of things, I was kind of dragging my feet. Yeah. And when I say that, I mean, like, I was just not really looking forward to it. I was kind of, like, not interested in the betting on this Card. I wasn't interested in a lot of these fights. You know, the best fight, in my opinion, is the co-main event, which we're about to talk about. But yeah. outside of that, the main event didn't really tickle me. Nothing else really. There were some fighters I was excited to see, but the right. fights themselves, I was like, yeah. But you dig deep enough, you find some gold, and that's yes. kind of what we've done here. I think that we do have some good fights to look forward to. That co-main event is the best fight on the card. 100%. Danny Gay taking on Movzar Evloev. A big step up for Evloev. And might I say, I'm shocked. I'm a little shocked that he's such a heavy favorite. I recognize he's undefeated in the UFC. He's looked fantastic. But Danny Gay's battle tested. He's a, he's yeah, a more proven veteran at this point. He's been in headlining spots before. Um, Evloev has mostly played it safe through his UFC career. I'm going to go on a limb and kind of say that. He's won all decisions in his UFC career. But I think he's going to have to really take out Dan Ige to win this fight. That's truly how I feel. Yeah, I think this is an amazing fight. It's great matchmaking. Ige's on a skid. You know, at the end of the day, he's lost two in a row, three of his last four. But it's all against top guys, man. This guy fights everybody. Ever since he won on the contender, he just got thrown in to the Wolves. And he's 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 done well for the most part, right? But the biggest ones he's lost. And But for Movzar, this is like, you know, welcome. Welcome to the top 15. We're throwing you up a Dan Ige. Because, you know, the biggest win Movzar has was Hakeem Dawadu. That was a pretty fun fight, uh, if I remember so. At least, like, closely contested, I should say. Um, but Evloev does feel like a very legitimate uh contender a very legitimate prospect at 145 pounds there's a lot of talent here but not too many like young up-and-comers he's kind of like leading the charge him and like Sadiq Youssef and those types of guys um but yeah it's a big test I like this a lot Ige's well-rounded but 
like Evloev's grappling and the way in which he does it is obviously the biggest strength in this it fight. It feels like that's, yes, the best skill across yes. both guys. Yeah, so it's like, how's EA going to respond? Because we haven't really seen him with that. I mean, really, the biggest test for him grappling-wise, funny enough, was against the Korean Zombie, and yeah. it didn't go well. That doesn't him. make it very promising to my opinion. <laughs> exactly. defense is going to hold up. So, I mean, we shall see if Mozart can uh, deliver here, get a top 10 win, make it. I mean, what, he's 5-0 and in the UFC, 15-0 overall. This guy's undefeated for a reason. We used to throw that phrase around all the time. I'm going to say it again here, undefeated for a reason. I'm very much looking forward to it. Noah hit the nail on the head. It's the best fight on the card. It's the most important fight on the card, implication-wise. Yeah. yeah, I completely agree. I am a believer in Mozart. It's been a while since we've seen him. Was his last fight UFC 250? to Connor Poirier rematch. I got that was it. Him. That was him and Hakeem, I'm pretty sure, was on that card. I'm fine. So it. that's a long time off, if, if, if that's the case. And, you know. He, he fought at 263, June 12th okay. last year, but it's still a year. It was okay, Connor and then that card. Hasn't okay. fought since. That's, I mean, it's a, it's a layoff, but not as long as I was thinking. Yeah. Um, Ige's active, his, though, man. I think Dan Ige on the feet can actually make this a fight. Yeah. To me, it's when Mozart implements the wrestling, which should come pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I do think that Dan Ige is in for some trouble if he hasn't really made the improvements coming off of even the Korean Zombie, who, the Korean Zombie, uh, maybe an underrated, well-rounded skill set, but he got taken down at ease pretty much yes. in TKZ. And maybe there was a bit of, like, not expecting it. I True. don't know. I just, I'm not super confident if this fight, if... If Evloev is smart and really goes for getting this fight to the ground, I think it's a long night for Dan. But I do think there's a chance that Evloev doesn't quite play it that way. and Because, um, again, he does tend to kind of coast a little bit early on in his fights. That's how Hakeem Dewadu had a lot of success uh, periods in the fight. And I think Dan Ike could definitely have some success on the feet. But, um, well, let me pose one more question real quick, just because yeah. of the way you were breaking down with Mozar there. How much in your eyes, being that right, he's 5-0 in the UFC, they are all via decision. I think there's even a split or two sprinkled in there. How much would him getting a finish over a guy like Dan Ige say to you? Him it making it into the top ten? It would say a lot. Now, I, I try not to harp too much on that, like the, right. the finish rate, because... All in all, you can look at a performance and you can see if a guy's like... Oh, yeah, he could dominate him for three rounds and it yeah, says just I as mean, much. If he were to knock out Dan Ige with the first punch he threw in five, ten seconds, yeah. that would be miraculous, amazing. <laughs> yeah. But ultimately, it doesn't say as much as if he dominates this fight with his grappling for three rounds. Right. I would like to see a little bit more from him here. I care less about the finish and more about seeing just something whether it's submission skills or if he shows some evolution on the feet i just want to see a little more out of him but i still am a believer in him. i'm just putting that out there yeah yeah uh next up damon jackson is back he was a uh, man he's been looking for a fight for a while dude he's in um, fun ass i mean fights. he just fought not too long ago but he was clamoring to be the day of replacement and yeah. I forget what fight it was, but uh, it was the Cerrone Lozon fight. Yes, yes, yes. He was asking, he was calling Dana, trying to be the lad, the day of replacement. Um, he's here fighting Daniel Argetta, who is making his debut. He just fought for LFA about a month ago, so he's kind of jumping at an opportunity here. He's undefeated, 
which mm-hmm. Dominic, you know, you threw around that that saying, you know, yeah. defeated for a reason. But if he, he's a heavy favorite, Damon Jackson, that is, this is, in my opinion, I think the UFC is doing him a bit of a disservice with the matchmaking. Now, I know this wasn't his original matchup, but even his original matchup, I was kind of like, come on, guys. Like Damon Jackson, to me, is ready to be tested with the top 15. Yeah. Yeah, it does feel that way. This guy's always in fun scraps. He finishes fights. He's in scrappy fights. Uh, his only loss was to. I think he's uh, twenty and four. Like he's twenty and four. Very solid, dude. His only loss was a knockout, or his only loss in the UFC, I should say, was to Ilya Toporia, and it was a knockout. You want to know something crazy that I, I, I might get this wrong, but I'm pretty sure what GC said on the betting set portion of the MMA Hour today was there the two. The two most recent losses, I guess, for because I guess in his last eleven fights he's nine and two or something. Like yeah. That. Yep. Those two losses are to Ilya Tuporia and then someone who's Mostly Kubalayev. Oh, Kubalayev. Okay. Yeah. He yep. just he didn't name him in the segment, but he said PFL undefeated fighter. I think. Yeah. Their combined record since that fight is like thirty-one zero and one. Yeah. Yeah. They're great competition. Which means Damon Jackson's a stud. I mean, yes. he, he is a stud. He is a stud. I mean, he's 4-1 and one in the UFC, right? I mean, and the only loss being to Toporia, one of the biggest prospects in the entire company. Damon yeah. Jackson is legitimate. Uh, for, for what it's worth, Daniel was on tough last year, but he lost to Ricky Tercios, right? But he's from LFA. He's undefeated as an actual pro. Take that exhibition out of there. Anybody that wins in LFA, I think, is a legitimate talent. But it's an uphill battle here for Damon Jackson. He has exploded to a minus 575 favorite. I think that's the story right there. Yeah, I didn't realize he was on tough. There you go, mm-hmm. Dominic, doing the extra research there. Maybe it's because he actually watched it. But True. Know, you know. Hey, War Ricky, man. Come on. Yeah, War Ricky. <laughs> Next up, some fun flyweight action. Jeff Molina, a guy yeah. who I think is starting to creep on me and Dom's radars a little bit if our betting slip is anything to go on. Yeah, of. yeah. Um, he is taking on Zalgas Zamugelov. I always mess up that last name. Zamugelov, I believe is how it's said. Um, Zalgas looking to really, I mean, he's really holding on by a thread here. He's one and three in the UFC. Yeah. But that doesn't really tell the story. He is get, coming off of getting bamboozled by Manel Kopp, which was, that was a, I mean, Manel Cape, that was like the best performance Manel's had in his UFC tenure thus far. Yeah. But like his debut, I think he lost. It was a split decision or something like that to um, who fought Sean O'Malley in his last fight. That guy who. Oh, Holly and Paiva? Holly and Paiva. Yeah, yeah. Dominic always has the name. (laughs) Holly and Paiva. Holly and Paiva. Is that really how I've said his name before? I feel like I said Raleigh and like a, yeah. a dumb Yankee. Raleigh and Paiva. <laughs> um, it, but I believe, even though Paiva's a good fighter, but if you go back and watch that fight, not sure if he really got the, should have got the scorecards in his favor there. Yeah. So when you look at it, even though Zamagalov might be in a tough spot because he is one and three in the UFC. I don't think that necessarily resembles the talent, but he is going up against Jeff Molina, who is proving each time out to get better. He's putting on fun fights and just has a very well-rounded skill set. I think it's going to be a great fight. I think Jeff Molina is legitimate talent, man, at, at this flyweight division. He's got Chris Boxing, Chris Pants. He's just so well-rounded. Um, and like you said, like 
you know, for uh, Zumagulov. <laughs> is, is that how you say? Wait, Gavagul. Z- I'll just say Zalgas. <laughs> Zalgas. Were you saying uh, Gava? What the hell is going? <laughs> for Zalgas, back against the wall. What are you gonna do, Jeff Molina? By the way, I think if he wins this, he should be top fifteen next. I think it's a good fight. I, I mean, although I the division the, is shallow, we love right? the flyweights. But yeah. I was about to say, like, yeah. how many? <laughs> yeah. I mean, how many fights can he take outside the top before getting before? it? Yeah. <laughs> but I agree with you if, yeah. if, for what it's worth. I mean, Zalgas was ranked not too long ago. He's one in three in the UFC now. I did well. Okay, I got to make one more point while we're on this before we move on to the last fight. Yeah. And I, because I didn't know this until I'm looking at it right now. So I just want to point out to people Zalgas went five rounds with two guys outside of the UFC and won both fights. It was against Tyson Nam and Tagir Ulambekov, people. So, you know, it says something. He definitely came in with some pedigree if you yeah, kind of right. the know for that market. But it just seems like it's not quite yeah. put it all together in the UFC but I still think that even if he loses here I think there still could be something worth having on your roster I think he's a UFC level talent it's yes. just the, the wins aren't coming together unfortunately. Right. Yep. last one Aaron Blanchfield is opening the card bullshit what is going on here? this should like, this should be like the main card opener prelim headliner Aaron Blanchfield she's taking on JJ Alder coming off a solid win in her own right uh, your thoughts on Aaron Blanchfield making her return here against J.J. Aldrich? I mean, she's legit, right? We I talk about this next wave of women's flyweights all the time, and she's one of them. Uh, she's one of them looking to crack into that top 15. I've got to say, no, again, taking notes. I was a bit caught off guard. J.J. Aldrich, not on a lot of people's radars, but she's pretty good, man. She's 7-3 she and three in the UFC. She's won three in a row. Um, but it just feels like Aaron Blanchfield, 23 years old, super young, right? Uh, uh, green, if you will. But she's legit. She's yeah. so strong. She's so well-rounded. Her grappling is so good. And she's just – this is someone that being so young is going to get better and better and better every single fight. I'm not saying JJ's out of this. I'm not ruling her out. I don't think it's going to be like just some dismantling. Uh, yeah. But it's pretty close because I think Blanchfield is just that good. Yeah, I mean, Aaron Blanchfield, look at her lap. Was it her last fight? Was that um, to do what she did against Miranda Maverick? Yes, said that, a lot. That performance against Miranda Maverick, yeah. she outclassed Miranda. Dominated. Maverick, Couldn't who believe. Who has essentially dominated everybody else she's fought? Yeah, yeah. JJ Aldrich is a good fighter, but it is a kind of fighter that is a stepping stone for someone like Aaron Blunt. It feels That's, that way. Okay. I truly feel that way, but. And for what it's worth, Aldrich, very good wrestling, very powerful for this division. Yeah. So it could make it interesting, but I you got to lean Blanchfield if you go off of just how she's looked. You know? Yeah, yeah. So that's it for the card, Dom. Now we're going to get into a little betting. I want to remind everyone that you can find uh, these odds as they are updating um, minute by minute through DraftKings Sportsbook. That's where all these bets are being made through that's where all these odds come from uh, so shout out the draft kings also want to remind everyone that we are not professionals we are literally newbies at this this is only our we've only done this for five months you know yeah, so do not take betting advice from us this is not meant to be put out there as betting advice it is simply just two guys that wanted to start betting on sports fighting 
and we're doing it. And yep. as you can see by our success rate, we're new at it. So right. um, just wanted to throw that out there. If anybody was dumb enough to take our picks before, like, just stop. <laughs> Fair. Anyways, <laughs> so here we are again. Unit sizes on fleek. <laughs> yes, they're device. a little bit everywhere. Huh? So I'll, I'll explain mine. I'll actually go down and explain mine singles, and then I'll kick it to you. Um, I am messing around with the unit sizes. I may or may not have increased what my unit size is, but I'm yeah, look, <laughs> we don't unit. There's, there's no shame on here. Yes. So we don't. That's why we do the units because that's all that matters. Is you know. It's true. That's really what matters. How many it's units not, positive are we? You know. Yes, exactly. So it's allowing me to play around a little bit more with it, which yep. is what I'm happy about. As far as the single unit plays, um, Jeff Molina was yours. You had one, and I had a half, right? Right. Right. Yeah. Yep. So the ones that I put a full unit on was Botello Silva fight does go to distance, women's MMA. It's over 50% of the time going the distance. I hate them. I feel like it's kind of a misogynistic way to, like, bet on these fights. But if you just go down their resumes, um, both capable of some fun fights. I mean, I remember uh, Silva fighting for the uh, Dan White Contender Series last season. Yep. And she was actually in a pretty fun fight, finished the fight. So it's it could be a little risky. Minus 150, you just typically don't get those kind of odds for two women that are, you know, Botello has been in the UFC for a long time, had a pretty iffy run. This is Silva's debut. Yeah. I just see this fight going to full distance, and at minus 150, you typically don't get it at that cheap for women's MMA. So um, it was something worth putting a unit on, in my opinion. And I also put a unit on Ode Osborne to win uh, the money line, minus 180. Uh, he is his opponent. I forget his name, but he's four and three in his MMA career. Now it doesn't exactly tell the full story. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's been in the UFC actually for multiple fights, so he's been fighting despite the lack of experience on his professional record. But Ode Osborne is just someone that I think is just. I think he's 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 got a breakout in him. That's the guy you want to see put it together, you know? I I do believe that he he has a breakout in him. Like, he could be one of those guys. I'm not necessarily going to – I'm not – he would have been a good answer for the – when I was talking about unranked fighters that you could think of. He's the kind of guy I could see just going on a big run and becoming, like, a flyweight contender. But um, as it stands, he's big for the flyweight division. He's very talented – I think here having the experience advantage, which is something he hasn't had the advantage in in most of his fights, I think it'll play big for him. Yeah. So those are my single units. I did also put a half unit on Jeff Molina money line at minus 180. You know, again, I, I do respect Zamu Gaylov's talent. I just think Jeff Molina's legit. And when you consider the run he's on, I don't see Zalgas being able to slow him down. I worry a little bit about Zalgas also being on that he is on the brink of potentially being cut. Yeah. You know, what's that going to do to his mental state? Jeff Molina, riding high, 2-0 in the UFC, both great performances so far. So I didn't put a half unit on that. I also put a half unit on Trezano Almeida to go to distance. Bit of a risky one here. Minus 165, 
both high action fighters. Yeah. But both guys that are so durable that I just don't really see this fight. I, I could see it being a great fight. But I have a hard time seeing either one of these guys getting stopped. Al made it by the same way. way. UFC debut. He was on the contender series, lost an awesome fight with Daniel Zellheber. Uh, Trezano's been around for a while. He's coming off a great performance in his last outing. So um, I think this has the makings of a great fight, yep. but ultimately one that I think goes to distance at point five. And my gosh, another one. But I forgot I added this one. Point yeah, seven last minute units. decision. Yeah, right before we started recording, Dominic was throwing some stats at me. So if this one doesn't hit, it, I'm going to blame him. Yeah, right. I'll, I'll pay you the point seven five. <laughs> it's minus two hundred, which is literally as far as I can stretch it before I'm putting yeah. this in a parlay. Favret yeah. Dinov and Michaelitis. I have this fight not going to distance. Just look, guys. I mean, these two guys. That's all they do is finish fights. So or get finished. Yes. Uh, yes. Exactly. <laughs> so that kind of makes me feel a little bit more comfortable with this one. That you kind of have to two ways to go about it. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Both guys' chins haven't held up exactly well in their last few fights, especially. So I was only able to put 0.75 units, truthfully. My balance had gone empty, and for some reason, I, my card would, it wouldn't let me put more money on my account. So uh, Donate leak why, in the bio. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's why it was 0.75 units instead of one or something. I am pretty confident in this one. but uh, Yes, yes. Yeah, I... This one feels like a lock. <laughs> Knock on wood. Man. Yeah, please do. Please do. So, Dominic, talk about your singles. Yeah, so obviously I did. Mine were all just single units. Um, so, uh, Jeff Molina, we've already talked about it. We broke down the fight a little bit. I just believe in this guy. I think he's a, a really legitimate talent for this division right now. I think he's got crisp hands and just a, a well-rounded skill set that I think gets the job done. I think it's a guy in Zalgas who has fought good competition, but at the end of the day, he's one and three in the UFC. Molina's got the momentum. I like that side. Johnny Munoz money line. This was the lone. This is the lone plus money bet on this week's bet slip, which is interesting. And this was the last one that I added onto my bet slip. This is one I went back and forth on for quite some time. But Johnny is a guy that is a jujitsu ace, right? A black belt. Very good. Eleven and one record. Only one loss. He's going up against Tony uh, Gravely. Now Tony. Uh, spoiled a lot of people's bet slips when he fought last. He was a uh, underdog going to that, if I'm not mistaken, and won relatively decisively a unanimous decision. He's well rounded. He has put it together lately in his career. He's 22 and seven, but there's just a part of me that really like Johnny Munoz in here. He's the younger guy. I feel like he's just the more athletic, explosive, more path to victory style of fighter. And when I mentioned that BJJ black belt, you know, he's got nine wins out of his 11 via submission. Tony Gravely has five of his seven losses via sub. Now, I didn't stretch it as far as going Munoz by submission, but if you're feeling ballsy out there, it's worth a sprinkle. Maybe let us know if you do that. But I like Munoz at plus 110. I'm willing to take, I, take that risk. I like the logic to stick with the money line play because it's plus yeah. money already. Let's not yeah. get too that's exactly. how we lose, Dom. That's, why that's we what lose. I'm trying. We had the week off, right? This yeah. is my get right week. This is the get right week. I yes. like it. So, um, also, I love o Ode Osborne money line. I almost put that in. That was next on the sheet. I just thought I'd mention that to know. I like that he played that. Uh, I did go with Renat. I'm going to fuck this last name up. Fuck. <laughs> Decay silent. So, okay. Here's Far Faret Dinov. Fa yeah. 
So it's really Far-ret not that hard. Dinov. You just take the K and the H out. It's not that hard. Renat Faret Dinov by finish minus one ten. Listen, Noah put money down on the fight to end via finish. Well, I'm going a step further and taking Renat to get that win. He's eighteen and two. He's coming in from UAE Warriors. That's a very much respected regional promotion out there. He's actually the guy that just knocked out uh, Eric Spicely. I think we yes, even mentioned did. it on yeah, this show. I'm pretty sure we did. Um, and for Michaelitis, he welcomed Alex Perher into the UFC, got knocked out. And it's just, while he's a good talent, he's 13-5. and five. It's not a pretty record. All five of those losses have been via finish. I just feel like Renat is going to get the job done in his UFC debut. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and then my last single was Osborne and Adeshev to not go the distance. Now, this one, a l- little risky. Because this was, it, does it go the distance at minus 105 or do not go the distance at minus 125? So either way, you're getting good odds. And both these guys are coming off decisions in their last fight. But I just have a feeling that someone is going to make a statement in this one. And hopefully it's Ode Osborne for Noah's sake, and then it's going to be great for the bet slip. But either way, I just, for some reason, am envisioning a finish to happen. Both guys do get finishes. Don't get me wrong. Um, so I was just willing to take that risk at minus 125. I think the winner of that fight will have a statement be made, and I think it comes decisively. So that's why I sprinkled that one on as that single. Nice. As for the parlays, I went pretty big. Two, two weeks units, in a row. Two units on this parlay. Did I have two units on my last parlay? On the one that we don't want to discuss anymore. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that, yeah, well, <laughs> I'm not going to make Dom reload that. Get right week, get right yeah, week. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Minus 110. I did not remember that I put two units on that, so that does not – all of a sudden, it's all get right. Please. He's having flashbacks. <laughs> yeah, I am right now. So, okay, I I do like this parlay. I, I do, you too. Know, I, too often, I like the pretty to parlays up, you know. Yeah. I like to do – I find myself only wanting to do only money line plays or only, you know, these prop bets on these parlays. And I'm like, what am I doing that for? Yeah. Do the smart bets, okay? Yeah. Quit being stupid. <laughs> I feel so that. I feel that for me, I'm like I feel very confident in Aaron Blanchfield and David Jackson. I already spoke about both of them, kind of why I like them a lot. And then Felice Herrig and Carolina Kovalkiewicz is on this card, which is kind of a decent bout for for two women that have seen their better days, but still kicking, still hanging yeah. around. Yeah. But I don't see either one of them finishing this fight. I think this <laughs> fight goes to the distance. I, th- I felt very confident out of all the fights on this card that this would be the one that would go to distance. So let's yeah. remember this if you have to take a clip out here for when it inevitably, you know, Carolina lands a one-punch knockout. Well, seconds. listen, if it makes you feel any better, this is uh, this is the second time these two have fought. First one was a split decision for Carolina. So if that makes you feel better. They've already went the distance it once. It does. So. Will my streak of parlays remain cursed? <laughs> Only time will tell. Minus 110, two units. Who's riding with me? I like it, Noah. Clearly, I'm doing it. I mean, basically, two legs of it. Because I went with a three-leg money line this week. Minus 127. Couldn't quite get it to plus odds. But I'll take it. These were the three biggest favorites on the card. Aaron Blanchfield actually has closed since these odds or since these bets were placed. But um, she was minus 475 uh, personally there. Damon Jackson's like a minus 575. And then Mozart was all the way up plus 400. I think he's back down to around 380 right now. But regardless, those are three huge favorites. Blanchfield, we already discussed. I highly believe in her skill set. Damon Jackson, I almost 
wanted to do a single bet to him uh, for Damon Jackson to win by finish. I think there's great value there. And if you want to take it a step further, I think he can even get a submission win, but I didn't want to risk it. Um, and then for Movesar, <laughs> it's funny. I brought this up to Noah off recording. I said, on Sunday, I was talking to him. I said, what do you say? Like half unit sprinkled on Danny Gay? Yeah, he's like a plus 380. Then I put Evlo Evan my parlay here, so I completely did a 180 there. I think he is that legit of a talent. I think this could be like a coming out party, quote unquote, to get that big win to crack into the top ten. That's the three leg money line. Yeah, well said, well said. Let us know what plays you guys are going to be making this weekend. What sports book you're using? Um, if you hit it big, send us the receipts, and maybe we'll show them off on the show. Who knows? Yeah, that's right. So, uh, Dominic, you know how we close the show around here nowadays. It's closing statements. Anything and everything, MMA, non-MMA, to get off our chest, we do so right here before we send you guys off to the weekend. So, Dominic, your closing statements for this Thursday. Yeah, I had a couple topics in my head, Noah, that I was debating on what I wanted to do first. Um, So I'm going to start with the one that – it's close to the heart and it's because even though i can't even talk about reviewing the album maybe that'll come on a different closing statement but noah talked about his guy i'm blanking on the name tell him the name one more time zach brian zach brian had a double album come out a couple weeks ago 34 songs on it noah mentioned that on one of our most recent episodes my favorite artist austin richard post otherwise known as post malone is dropping his long-awaited fourth studio album for the first time in two and a half years i couldn't be more excited i love this guy i think he's a great human being an inspiration if you will i love his music it kind of just speaks to me a lot of people say that music kind of brings them through tough times and whatnot this is that type of artist for me i'm very much looking forward to this album obviously this is coming out on thursday the album comes out on friday so give it a listen this weekend you know i will be and eventually I'll have an album review maybe for you in one of these closing statements, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. Well said, Dominic. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Sorry. I had a question and I forgot it. Oh. I wanted to ask because of that, who's y'all's favorite music artist? Let us know. Yeah, there you go. I'd love to hear the, I feel like we'd get like quite oh, a lot yeah. of different answers, you know? Yeah. My answer to that, I don't even, I wouldn't say Zach Bryan's my favorite. He's probably my favorite in country music. Mm. How does that make him my favorite overall at this point? Man, the weekend though, I have a long history with like your all time. That's him. Yeah, yeah. Like the weekend. I just go so far back with him and his whole career, and even though like some of his newer music isn't exactly like as I don't love it as much as I mm-hmm. did like his first couple albums. Um, that guy, that just—it's always going to be a special connection to the weekend for me. Yeah. It just got me through a lot of the good times and the bad, you know. That's damn right. Yeah. So I actually have nothing for today's closing statement. So I guess that kind of was my closing statement. And yeah, that let works. us know your favorite band, artist, whatever it might be down below. But Dominic, you're Dominic. I am, yeah. Yeah. And I'm Noah. This is true. And me and you are the below average Joes. Oh, chills. And we'll see you Monday. See ya.